Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Didi saved my life about 14 minutes oh, ago. You have no idea the performance that this it woman wasn't... put in. I'm so ashamed that you're part of the sisterhood. I really am. Why? You let us all down. Okay, hold on. I was driving down Didi's driveway. Yep. And I saw, as I was driving, a spider hit my windscreen and then it went up over the windscreen and onto the car. So I quickly parked and then I rang Dee Dee and said, come out of your house immediately. I need you to check if there is a spider on my vehicle. So in the meantime, I saw Chanel coming in the driveway and I went outside to greet her and I saw, and because you've said before how you sit in your garage and do texts and stuff, I thought she's doing a few texts, so I just came back inside and then this hysterical phone call, there's a spider on the So I've gone out there expecting something as big as a dinner plate. There was nothing on there though. Nothing, not even a speck. But do you know, this is the thing, right? Now I have to take my car through the car wash. Oh, well, that's right. There's a really good one just up the road. Great, because that fucker will be hiding somewhere and I have the heebie-jeebies and he will appear. Question. Please. Why do spiders always go into the wing mirrors? Mm. They do. They hide. The fucker is going to hide somewhere and then boom, he's going to come out and drive me off the freeway. No, this is what they do. They hide and they catch stuff and they fatten themselves up. So this this thing's going to beef up and then it's going to (laughs) strike. I think I've told you the story about how my girlfriend and I were driving to dinner one night and bang, spider on the windscreen. Where did it it's come always the windscreen. the windscreen. It just was hiding. It had been hiding there. And then we, we were parked on Turak Road, which is quite a busy road in yeah. Melbourne. And on our phones, I, I got a note up and I said, is there a spider on our car? And <laughs> held it up to people as they walked past. And then this guy came over and he read what we were saying. And he was like, oh, and like just a good human. He checked the whole vehicle. He was like, no, nah, you're good. Get out. That's pathetic. That is such a damsel in distress. I can't deal. Just get out and whack it with your thong or whatever. Can sit in a courtroom with a murderer. Yes. Cannot deal with. <laughs> cannot deal with a spider. No spiders. Um, it's constant war. Although I did hear once that uh, Daddy Longlegs <laughs> apparently, if they they're the were, worst. They've got huge teeth. Mm. Yes. Compared to like no. their size. Yes, but yeah. the no, teeth aren't strong leg. enough to perforate the skin. Yes. So yes. that yeah. But if you have a cut on you, that I think they could kill you if you had a cut, and they just strategically <laughs> like put a fang through like. Stop. Yeah. Well, the, uh, no, so the other thing with Daddy Longleg is that their poison is very poisony. Yes. But mm. it's because it's because they've got such tiny little heads. It's like in such a minuscule it, it can't proportion. Happen. Yeah. Can I tell you something exciting that happened today? And I knew that it was going to happen. I was so exciting when it happened. What? So because we've been in lockdown forever and ever, and we people have. were bored. And then the prime minister said, "Oh, I'm going to get some jigsaw puzzles for the kids." And I said, <laughs> "Yes, that's what we're doing. We're doing jigsaws." And you know how I always have jigsaw on the kitchen bench. You've seen it. Many you do. Times. And so what that happened was it sent the market berserk for jigsaw puzzles. And I'd done all mine. During and, lockdown we're yes, talking about. Yes, Couldn't okay. get out to, to you buy couldn't, a new no, one. They no, they were gone. Couldn't do my usual op shop trawl where you can yes. usually get them for $2. Okay. Uh, so I was stuck. I looked on eBay. People were selling jigsaw puzzles for like $50. Yeah, what? they went the 
black market was rife. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought, That's okay, happened. I know what will happen. When lockdown finishes, you're all going to get sick of them. I'm not because I'm a hardcore. Right. Like, You've been doing this for years. Yeah. Yes. Oh. I did the shopping this morning, the grocery shopping, and yes. I looked and I saw the little local op shop was open. And, and I thought, I'm just going to have a look inside. Uh, I think there's seven jigsaw puzzles. Four of them are like almost brand new see but how do you know all the pieces are in there I was going to say that I bet you thank you you're missing a few pieces sometimes you don't no but but puzzle etiquette which I learned from my mother if I did a whole puzzle from an op shop and there was two pieces missing at the end I would smash my whole (laughs) house to pieces no 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 the rage (laughs) I would smash things I know I'm with you I'm calm no and you talk about this puzzle etiquette but no one knows about this except you Correct. Well, no, yes, I do because my mum knows about it. She because she okay, does so it. Okay, so generations of your family know yeah. about it. No, but random <laughs> grannies and stuff do it too. So what you do is you just do a little sketch of the puzzle, like, and go two pieces missing, and show where. And sometimes, if you're really feeling in a good mood, you'll write dark green leafy section. What and put it in the box? Yeah, put the note in the box. And here's the other puzzle etiquette that you do when you're unpacking your finished puzzle is. Take all the edge pieces, yeah, and pack them into a little separate bag. So the no pack, one no, does this. No, yes they do. No, I they do don't. It. You wait till you go to an op no. shop and get one that I've left there. You're just a good person. Mm. No other fucker does People this. People do it. Yes, they, they do. Don't. Yes, they do. People and they are use cheapers. like freezer bags. They're like tight asses who do who get op shop puzzles. Me, and they use <laughs> freezer bags because they're cheap, plentiful. <laughs> That's where we put them. No, and then they've got. The You're option. a very good human though yeah. for doing that. It's probably really like the people doing volunteer work. There are nurses and doctors saving lives. I think being a good human, if you're separating no, the puzzle pieces, is quite good. low down the list. I'll get. I do accept from you, Chanel. Thank you that I'm on that side of you know good and bad. I but don't I think, think there's I'd... better people in the world. I don't think I do anything nice like that. No. Separate. just like, no. Nah. Just sit in your car and scream, the help, there's a spider on my car. Help I'm going to text you both when I when that fucker appears, <laughs> moonwalking across my windscreen one night. Wow. Eh? Who goes first today? Don't know. Well, you say. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Well, that's I'll tick that off. I've got a list of okay. things today, but that's it. Because I've got a show I've been watching but that, and something else I did, but I'll, that can come later. Okay. You'll, I know what will happen. I'm exhausted from going out. Have you been going out? I still haven't gone out. So for those who don't know, we were in 110 days of lockdown, yeah. hard lockdown, curfews, mm. the whole lot. And now we've opened back up. Yeah. And I went out for dinner for the first time. Ooh, I, could, I was wrecked for the whole week. Wow. I, it was it's, extraordinary. I'm looking at you like, oh my God, she's climbed a mountain. I, I don't know. know what that I is. I went out to a restaurant and ordered food at a restaurant without a mask on. We're oh. allowed to do that. I'll say something else to you and I'll say it in a different way than I said it on Twitter. So oh, okay. Victoria has had now 15 <laughs> days. Wait. Yes. What? Saying things a different way that you say them on Twitter. Oh, because you have to. It's like totally. <laughs> I had to choose my words carefully and be polite. Yes, but correct. We've now had 15 days of zero cases. We have. So we're nearly like all clear. But yeah. it's, I've been watching the active cases. Yes, that's the Because I want number. them gone. I want yes. them out yeah. of here. There's two. And there's, no, there's three. There's oh, three, three fuckers. fuckers in there. <laughs> they will not get well. And it feels like they've been sick for, for ages. like a hundred years. I know. Can they just get, get well? Better. Get and better. And just so we can clear that because I want that to be a zero. I know. Zero cases, zero new cases. Yay. And then we can maybe it's take true. our masks off. And I Yes. And I feel f- we have a, 
American listeners, and I feel for them. They're doing it tough oh, with the COVID dear, at the awful. moment. Yeah, yeah. And don't please don't ask Victoria. Ask New South Wales because they, <laughs> they're the ones that really. I know dealt people keep going. Best. Ask ask Melbourne how they did it. No, don't don't do that. Please don't do that because <laughs> go back to that crying episode and listen to me crying. <laughs> that's that's what happens when you fix it. Just you know, not to get political, but there was a mistake made, and we don't want anyone else mm. in the world making that mistake. So check New South Wales; they yeah. did pretty well <laughs> and have done pretty well. Oh dear! I'll go. Okay, go. Do we need the Terry Bell? Yeah. Where okay. is it? I'll go and get. Well, it's back in the kitchen because it's how, that's how everyone knows dinner's ready. Okay, hang on. Talk, you talk. To <laughs> that's how everyone knows dinner's, dinner's ready. ready. What kind of house is this? I don't know. <laughs> Describe it for me. I've never been. Every there's a lot of things in here. Mm. So many things. Like, Are you guys has... in the laundry again? Yeah, we're in the laundry mm. again. <laughs> You know Kirst what you said. asked me to describe your house, oh. and I said, "There's a lot of things, <laughs> stuff. I collect stuff everywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, we're the only ones home, but Bonnie's here. Yes, the boys she's are. She's a person. Yeah, the boys are not. No, but you know that she's fine. But the yeah. boys are just like you know, in the way. They are. Yeah. Mm. Okay, we're going to do the story of Kylie Mabry. I know that name. Mm. You'll know this story. Uh, so Kylie's she's a little girl. She's six years old, and we're in Melbourne. It's a local story. Specifically, we're in the suburb of East Preston. Kylie lives with her younger sister, Rebecca, and her mother, Julie, in Gregory Grove. She was in primary school in year one, and she did – I can't say this word properly, but you'll know what it is cal- – Calisthenics. 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 I did calisthenics, mm. yes. yes. And I was used to come third. Tracy Lee Kuno and Sharon Anderson. <laughs> Tracy Lee Kuno, her mum. It was so unfair. It was good. so unfair. Like she was good, but she wasn't that good. But she always used to come first because her mum was one of the teachers. Oh. And then Sharon Anderson, who's a good friend of mine, but she used to come second. Her dad used to hand out prizes. And whenever. Wow. So we don't have wow. any. Yeah hard-worn feelings about this. And when he would, at presentation night, he would say, oh, and second is my baby girl, my darling Sharon, and give her this introduction. I used to think, I wish my dad was giving out the prizes and calling oh, me his This special... moment hasn't stuck with you no, at all, no. has it? And then the I recall was just I might have been a bit clumsy or something. Okay. I love... We well, third's pretty before. good. I mean, like, technically it was rigged, so... You yes, know, third yeah. is kind of like first. Yeah, thank you. Uh, do people in other countries know what calisthenics is? I think so. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's like eighties exercise. Yeah, right? there, and there was all sort of different. There was like a ballet thing, and then you would do clubs and yeah. rod and things like that. Yep, just like mm. stretching. I think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like stretching. It'll be like, like a warm up to do something, stretching. but you don't do the actual activity. <laughs> <laughs> so you came yeah, third in stretching. Movement. You came third in stretching. Good for you. Oh, curse! You're just delivering today. Oh. Um, so we're we're 1984 Cup Day, Melbourne Cup Day. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what Melbourne Cup Day is, it's a horse race, and everyone bets. The race that stops the nation. Correct. Yep. And if you don't bet just in your general day-to-day life, you normally have a bet on that day. People go to pubs, they have barbecues and generally gather, to use a 2020 term, they gather in groups. Um, On that day, Kylie's mum, Julie, went to the local hotel with her sister. She took Kylie along. They went there so they could watch the race on the big screen TV. They left the hotel shortly after the race, which was about 4.30 in the afternoon. They came home. They went to the neighbour's house for a cup of tea and they came back 
to their house. Mm-hmm. And that was when Kylie's mum asked her to run up to the shops to buy a bag of sugar. Mm-hmm. Her mum gave her some coins and sent her on her way, but telling her that she could only go up to the store and come straight back. Not unusual in those days. Not for that time. Yeah, yeah, for that time. Even though she was six years old, this was you know the time where people left their front doors unlocked and their back doors unlocked, and there was a general feeling of safety in the community. But the problem was that Kylie didn't come back from oh, the store. You imagine how you'd feel. I know. So the store was around 140 meters from their home. It wasn't particularly far. Kylie had left uh, barefoot. She was wearing a red skivvy pants and she was carrying a little green and red bag Um, but Kylie's mum knew within about 10 minutes that she should have been there and back by Mm. that point so she started to panic she grabbed some friends and they went out looking for Kylie and the first place they went was the food plus store they spoke to a woman there at the checkout and she said Kylie had already been there bought the bag of sugar and she'd seen her walking back across the car park Uh, Kylie's mother began searching the area they were driving around but they just couldn't find her anywhere at all around seven o'clock that night the head of police inspector Greenway attended the uh, search area Mm -hmm. and they were looking up and down streets. They they just couldn't find her. Specifically, I need you to remember at this point, they looked up and down a street called Donald Street. Mm-hmm. That was at 7 o'clock at night. At about 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, a man was driving down Donald Street and spotted what he thought was a doll lying in the gutter. Oh, no. He got out of his car and soon realised that doll was the body of Kylie Mabry. Uh, when they looked at the body, as in police and coroners they realized that she had not only been murdered but she had been raped when she was found she was in the same clothes that she had left home in but they were in some you know they were torn um her injuries were quite severe there were bruises and abrasions all over her body her post-mortem results were horrific she had bruising on her genitals and they believed that she had been suffocated Routine toxicology was also performed on her, which revealed she had Valium in her uh, liver, blood and stomach. And they could tell by the um, the levels that they, they were so high that she had recently digested them. They hadn't diluted in her body. So okay. They, yeah. Um, so Kylie used to deliver pamphlets around local streets uh, with her mum. So police went door to door speaking to all the men in the area. They did speak to one man called Gregory Keith Davies. Uh, He said he was at a cup lunch that day, denied all involvement in the crime. So the case remained cold for some time. This is a news report from 1984 Mm. uh, where Kylie's mother... So you hear the news report first and then you'll hear Kylie's mother afterwards. The body of six-year-old Kylie Maria Mabry was found lying face down in a gutter in Donald Street, Preston by a male at 10 to 1 this morning. She was beautiful. I can't understand what happened to her. So that was Kylie's mum speaking at a public plea, Mm -hmm. uh, asking, you know, if anyone knew or had seen anything to come forward, but no one ever did. Now, the case was reinvestigated by cold case detectives here in Melbourne, and what they did was going back through the file, they realised that they had the killer's 
DNA on file, which was taken from Kylie at the time. It had been kept for all those years, and they went back through the lists of people they'd spoken to and suspected, and they went through and revisited all those people, uh, taking DNA swabs from them. One of the people they went back and visited was Gregory Keith Davies, and they visited him in June of 2016. They asked him to provide a mouth swab, which he agreed to do, and when the DNA profile was analysed, they found that the DNA found on Kylie was 100 billion times more likely to be that of Gregory Keith Davies than anyone else in the community. Wow, incredible. Davies continued to deny he had committed the crime. He was arrested and taken into custody. During his interview, he told them that he remembered going to a a reunion for his brother and his friends who had served in Vietnam, and that reunion was a barbecue, but he couldn't remember anything else from the day. Yeah, because you're lying. You idiot. Well, I I couldn't even tell you what I did for Cup Day yes, three years ago. Exactly. Or probably even last year. It's only if something momentous happened on Correct. that day that you would remember like, What did you do for Christmas three years ago? Yeah, exactly. No one's going to remember that. No. But he was very specific, said he'd been to this reunion barbecue. So police agreed he may have gone to the barbecue. But I was also, just going to say, he, maybe he did. But They also, also think he went missing from that barbecue in the afternoon. Mm. And that is when he grabbed Kylie. As best as investigators could piece together, they believe Davies was driving through the car park. It's very much a sliding doors moment at the same time that Kylie was walking back through it on her own. Uh, In broad daylight, he's either grabbed her or coerced her into the vehicle. He's then most likely taken her away to another location or he raped and murdered her in the car before dumping her on Donald Street. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's terrible because obviously that area was checked, she wasn't there, and then her body was found there sometime after. When Davies was asked to explain the DNA samples, he had no explanation. He was charged with both rape and murder. So how long was that after the crime was Not committed? That, uh, it was about 33 years. Gosh. Yeah. Really good work by detectives. It is great work, isn't yeah. it? But doesn't it also still, uh, it's great they got him, but it makes me angry that he got to live all those years. Yeah. But absolutely. then was he living all those years looking over his shoulder? Maybe. Mm. On May 29, 2017, Davies faced the Melbourne Magistrates Court and he pleaded guilty to both counts. Rape and murder can't be sentenced in the Magistrates Court here in Melbourne because they're such severe crimes, they have to go to our Supreme Court. So often... uh, the time between someone pleading guilty, in which is the first opportunity they can plead guilty, is in the magistrate's court and them actually being sentenced. It can be quite a lag depending on uh, how much you know how much is going on in courts and, and how long people need to prepare sentences and yeah. so forth. Um, so there's a little bit of time between that happening and between someone pleading guilty and the actual sentence, there can be hearings listed which are called mentions. Now, you, as a journo, you don't always go to mentions, but if there's someone like Gregory Keith Davies, who the crime is quite significant, eh, you might just pop in if they're listed for a mention and just see what's going on. So one day I saw Davies, he'd pleaded guilty, he hadn't been sentenced yet. His name popped up on a list and it was listed for mention. And I thought I'd just, I had time, I thought I'd go in. Turns out, before he was sentenced, his fellow inmates had heard about his crime. And we know what happens to people that... Pedophiles, mm, yeah, exactly. There's, what do they call it? The the code among criminals? Yeah, I, I don't know what they call it, but they Yeah, there's something. 
Yeah, like, correct. Yeah. Well, it turns out that his fellow inmates had thrown boiling hot water onto his oh. genitals. Oh, my God. Davies' defence lawyer appeared in the Supreme Court of Victoria and asked for an extension of time before his plea hearing and sentence, given his client was in extreme discomfort. Oh. Wow, that would hurt. He had skin grafts to 15% of his body. I also found out prison tricks of harming people. They either throw hot water or they put sugar. They melt down sugar in the microwave. Oh, to make like a syrup. To make a syrup. Ah. And then they chuck that on you because it sticks. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, and impossible to get off. It doesn't just run off you like water. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Anyway... Davies was eventually sentenced. Hang on, where did they get, oh, I suppose from their tea and coffee? Yeah. Gosh, they have to think of everything in those jails, don't they, to stop them? Really innovative. Because they make shivs out of everything. Why did I say it like that? Innovative. (laughs) Anyway, um, Davies was eventually sentenced to life in prison with a non-parole period of 33 years, but he was 75 years old when he was sentenced. So even if he served the minimum. Yeah. He would be dead. And I hope it's harder to be in jail when you're that old because when you think about it, there's a lot of people in jail who won't ever get to that age because they serve their, what is it, 25 or something you get for his life actually, 25 years. Like a lot of people would get out before they are that age. So to be in prison as a dirty fucking pedophile at that age with a burnt penis and everyone hating you, good, I hope they get him yeah he would be in segregation yeah yeah oh really yeah but it's not on your own who like, with the other with the, yeah yeah he'd be in there with other with other pedos oh okay mm. Ooh, right that's worse to have them all together because they'd all be going oh what have you got what can you tell you me reckon? about i reckon they would talk about stuff that they're into yuck no keep them apart don't they let them might. be might. with their their flock everyone wants to be with their own flock mm. don't let them be with their own kind. Do you know with this story, I remember when they arrested him, uh, for some reason we had the number of the man that found Kylie and I rang him. Oh, wow. To ask if he would talk. Yeah. That someone had been uh, arrested and I I can't for the life of me remember his name. I wouldn't say it anyway if I could remember it. But I remember calling him and I said, you know, I'm Chanel and I was working for a different network then. I'm from here and here. Is there anything that you wanted to say? And he, I remember he said to me, I will never, ever, ever forget that night, that day. Mm. I can't ever forget what I saw that day and I can't ever talk publicly about it. Wow. Can't blame him. No, 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 no. But it does oh. show the domino effect of crimes. You know, it's not just the direct people. It's the people that found bodies. It's the people that will never forget finding bodies. Yeah, yeah. That I think are kind of forgotten and in these crimes as well. Were you, because you kind of went, oh, I'll just go pop in there and have a look. Were you the only journo? Did you? Were the I think only there were a couple of story? other journos in there. But it was that real moment when when they, you could tell the lawyer knew there were a couple of journos in there and didn't want to say what had happened, but had to. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, shall I do mine? Yeah. Okay. Um, Please. That's why we're here. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, for my story, we're going to America, uh, California, Redlands. I don't know where it is, but I'm going to try and talk about it as though I know where it is. Uh, A woman. Now, I don't know whether to say her name, Dorothy. I'm going to say Dorothea. Dorothea? Not Dorothy. It's Doroth Doroth with an E-A on the end. Dorothea. Dorothea. No, that could be Dorothy. 
Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothea. I'm going to go with Dorothea. Okay. Dorothea Gray. Uh, she was born on January 9, 1929. Now, her mother and father were both alcoholics. They had seven children, although um, much later on, Dorothea claimed that she was one of 18 children, which is probably that's oh. stretching it a bit, I think. Well, my grandmother was like one of 16. Wow. Yeah. You know what they used to do in the olden days? They would like have a baby and they would call it Richard and then <laughs> baby Richard would die. And then they would have another baby and call him Richard. They oh, would call so this the is new... what happened to my dad. Oh, I mean, we might there have said this before. There was a sister sure. called Pauline and then she died. So they called dad Paul. Oh, yeah. That's it's right. not ideal. It's oh, Yeah, you're carrying a bit of baggage. Aren't Should you? I tell you about the girl that I used to work with who – she if was you always like, fucking talk about someone getting murdered that you haven't told us about yet. No. Mm. <laughs> if you do this again, I well, dare there you. is a, a dead day person, but I didn't know them. So this was a person I worked with, and she was always very meek. And she would like, if you were coming towards her in the corridor, instead of going hi and just walk past, she'd sort of go have like back to the wall and stand out of your right. way. She was social though, distancing like, before it was a thing. Yes. Okay. It'd be like, no, no, please share the corridor with me. Yes. There's no need to like get out. She was always like apologetic for even being there. Okay. And she always sort of felt like a shadow of a person. I think you've told me this story. Yeah, I think I have. And her twin had died. It turned out I found out much later. So I was a bit more sympathetic then, not the nasty way I just told it then. All right. So Dorothy. Okay, Thea. we're off. Not one of 18 children, probably one of seven. Either way, mum and dad, horrible. Mum was a sex worker. Dad once held a gun to his own head, tried to kill himself in front of her when she was a little girl. He died when Dorothea was only eight years old and her mother died in a car accident the following year. So Dorothea was sent to an orphanage and when she was there, she was sexually abused. I'm interrupting myself now because (laughs) because, um, orphanage just made me think of one of the things I wanted to mention to you and that is have you watched the queen's gambit okay it keeps it keeps popping up mm. on my netflix I i'm done watching it. it now watch it really it's really good a little girl gets sent to an orphanage and you think oh my god this is awful this is terrible i've only watched the first episode okay but she turns out to have a talent i don't know if it's based on truth or if it's made up and i don't even care okay she's got a particular talent and it's to do with chess and it's so far i'm in love with it okay she's the most yes i'm watching condor Oh. Also very good. It's about spies. Writing it down. No real dead bodies. Oh, mm. There's a lot of killing in it, but it's just about spies. And I'm also very much looking forward to The Crown coming back. Yeah, I tried The Crown and Kieran oh, wouldn't on. like... Go. I He's love The Royals. Very, well, we tried to watch... We watched the first episode of uh, Gangs of London last night. I'm thinking oh, yeah, he loves Nico's it. just breaking my balls to watch that. He loves tough guys in London. A lot of killing and a lot of killing. Death, uh, you know, legs being broken, all sorts Ugh. of, you know, gruesome stuff. Um but it's a bit hard to hear them. I wish people would stop what? whispering on telly. Oh, we watch everything with subtitles. Oh, that's a good idea. We watch everything with subtitles, even Australian shows, where um, you can clearly hear them speaking. Well, this is more because there's a lot of whispering goes on in the movies yes. these days. And and they do, and Nico, I think they do it for effect. I don't Nico can't hey, understand accents. Here, I want to tell you something. Like, and Kiefer Sutherland is yeah, the worst. And, and for then it. they go like this. Yes. <laughs> Speak you don't up. know what's happened. Give me the old movies. Yeah, watch, where was, I recommend what it. Where shall I go? What shall I do? Watch everything with subtitles. No, quite frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. There was enunciation. There was projection. Not I now. know. They're you going, can't hear oh, I'm relying on this mic to pick it up. Yep. It'll pick up whatever I'm saying, whispering or not. We'll stop whispering. And there's a lot of whispering in Gangs of London, which was okay. annoying me. Okay. 
Okay, so Dorothea is in an orphanage. She's only eight. I thought you were reaching for the Terry Bell just then. No, I'm just making a note. Uh, in 1945, she was 16-year-old. Dorothea married a soldier named Fred McFall. They had two daughters. She sent one to live with relatives in Sacramento, and she put the other one up for adoption. Not sure why. I just think she just was not cut out for sure. her mother. Uh, three years into that marriage, Fred left her. He later said that she was a terrible liar and she claimed to have lived through the Bataan Death March in World War Two. What's that? I don't know what it is, you but she would it. have been 13 at that time. No, I didn't because it's clearly a fabrication. She claimed to have lived through the bombing of Hiroshima. She claimed that she was the sister of the ambassador to Sweden and she told people that she was a close friend of the actress Rita Hayworth. So I don't think you need okay. to... Google no, I don't. She's marcher. living in a fantasy world, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. Now, she got caught forging checks. She was jailed for six months. When she got out, she fell pregnant to a man who she barely knew. She gave birth to a little girl who she adopted out. 1952, she got married again to a Swede, Axel Johansson. In, was that you, Swedish? You just did a funny face. You did the face of the Swedish accent at me <laughs> while I was doing that. I wasn't sure. <laughs> oh, no. You kind of had like goofy teeth behind you were staring at me. I don't know what that was. Well, I was like, shocked by your accent. <laughs> so in the 1960s. Yes. Dorothea was arrested again, this time for owning and running a brothel. Okay. Everything's escalated. She was jailed for 90 days. Now, she got out. She was arrested again, this time for vagrancy. She was jailed for another 90 days. vagrancy? Well, I think vagrancy is when you are on the streets and you don't have the means to support yourself. I remember being told when I was was a kid because (laughs) it's funny how things stick in your head. When I was a kid... Um, again, Therese Farrelly, she was just big in my life when I was young. She said to me, always Shout out, Therese. <laughs> she said, we keep coming back. Because she's, she's a bit older than me. I believed everything she said. She said to me that you had to have 20 cents in your pocket all the time. Because if, <laughs> because, I'm dead. <laughs> because, <laughs> Why? because if the cops stopped you and you didn't have money, then you, were, you could be declared vagrant. Now, I don't know if it's true, but I believed it's her. It's not true. But she was older than me. I believed her. You always had to have 20 cents in your pocket. Yes. Now. Well, no, I be- believe that if you don't have money on you, then you can be declared vagrant. Can you Google the <laughs> definition of death? Vagrancy? This is a lie that you've believed your entire life. Yes. It would be a lie that you've believed it's your why, whole life. Well, then I thought that was why, because you know, women always, for a long time, I never carried a handbag. I do now. But... I never used to grab my handbag, but then I used to, like, put money in my pocket before I left the house, just in case. Just in case. Yeah, and I thought that was why women always grabbed their bag before they left the house, or purse, as the Americans call them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it says... Oh, hold this on. is vagrancy. Yeah, the condition of homelessness without regular em- employment or income. There you are. You're right. Yeah, it's kind of right. Nothing. Doesn't say anything about 20 cents. Doesn't say anything about 20 cents. But that was in the 70s that Teresa told me that. So that would be the equivalent of a few dollars now. 
Shout out to Teresa. Yeah. I hope <laughs> she contacts us. I'm Same. ready. <laughs> I think she's in Ireland. All right. So, uh, jailed again for vagrancy. Now, this time when she got out, she started working as a nurse's aide. She was caring for disabled and elderly people in their homes. After a while, she started to manage boarding houses. And after 14 years of marriage, Axel, the speed, uh, divorced <laughs> Dorothea. And she then married again. Oh. To a man who was 19 years younger than her. His name was Roberto Puente. And in all the stories on Dorothea, that's the surname that she uses, Dorothea Puente. So that marriage only lasted for two years. So she separated from Roberto Puente. Dorothea Puente started running a care home. It was a three-story house. Quite a nice one, actually. I looked it up. It's a lovely house. In Sacramento, it had 16 bedrooms. She's gone from brothel to care home. Yes. Okay. She married again for the fourth time in wow. 1976 to Pedro Montalvo. And I don't know why she didn't take his name. She kept Roberto's name. Uh, Pedro was a violent alcoholic, so that marriage only lasted a few months. She started hanging around in bars oh. looking for older men who were receiving benefits. I see, and, where she's, I, think, I see what she's thinking. Uh-huh. She forged their signatures to steal their money. But before, she obviously wasn't very good at any of this because she got caught again. Oh. She was charged with 34 counts of treasury fraud and she got probation this time. Now, she was still running the boarding house, but things weren't great there. Some of the tenants said that she refused to give them their mail. Oh. But the welfare agency, so she must have been schmoozing with the welfare agencies because they kept sending people, especially people with special needs or the elderly, to stay with her. And I think it was because she was taking people that other rooming houses didn't want. Right, okay. They wanted people who were of, difficult to place. Yes. Yeah. Other houses wanted people of independent means who they sure. had, wouldn't have to worry about. Whereas she was taking these people with mental health issues and the elderly. So a woman named Ruth Munro moved in. She was was 61 years old, but it wasn't long before she died while she was there from an overdose of codeine and Tylenol. Now, Dorothea told the police that Ruth had been depressed and they believed her, so that death was ruled as a suicide. Yes. Red flag. Well, not really. You can see, yes, yes, for you, for us, because it's part of our... We're telling a dead body story. Yes. But in the scheme of things, you can see why they would believe that if... Sure. Yeah. She has a lot of husbands. Yeah. Nothing really else significant. But karma's a bitch. It'll oh, catch up with okay, you eventually on those things. That yeah. is true. So a few weeks later, another resident, this time a 74-year-old, Malcolm McKenzie, accused Dorothea of drugging him and stealing from him. So the police came along again. She was convicted of three charges of theft and she was jailed in 1982, five years jail this time. Now, while she was in jail, she started up a pen pal friendship with a 77-year-old man by the name of Everson Gilmouth. Yes. I really want a pen pal. I had one when I was younger. I want to write to someone in prison, but then I, I shouldn't do that. No, I don't think anyone writes anymore. And no. I'll tell you how I know that because I've been, I've started writing thank you slash Christmas cards to all the people who've helped with my show this year. You've only started? I always write Christmas cards. I never do. I can't bother. Oh, come on! But I've made it's an effort wonderful. this year. But my, honestly, my writing is so awful and Same. my hand is so sore from doing them. Mine is terrible. I'm glad. I'm ha- I would happily type it away, but I think if you handwrite it, it shows you've gone to it. I hope they appreciate the trouble. Are you going to write me a card? 
Come on. There's one left. I might do you one. Okay. But you didn't contribute to my show this year. Yeah, because I wasn't allowed to. I know. It's terrible, isn't I've it? I've contributed it to your life, though. daily. Yes, you have. <laughs> okay. Everson Gilmuth. So she's pen pals with him. When she got out of jail, Everson, what a lovely man, he turned up for uh, to pick her up outside the jail. He was in a okay. red 1980 Ford pickup. Now, it could be an unnecessary detail, but remember it. Okay. Okay. 19, red 1980 Ford pickup. Got it. Uh, they started making wedding plans. So a few months later... She's good at that. Dorothy hired a man by the name of Ismail Flores to do some work in her apartment. Okay. Wanted some wood panelling installed. And as part of his payment, she gave him a red 1984 oh, pickup. Oh, how generous. Yeah, where she got that from. Wonder where she got that from. Yeah. Where's got, the driver? And here's one of the jobs... We'll find out. Well, here's one of the jobs she, she got Ismail Flores to do. She wanted him to build her some boxes to store books and other things. I thought you were going to say. But she wanted him to dig a hole. Not quite. In the backyard. But just listen to the size Rectangle. of the box that That's she got feet. him to build to store books and other things. Six foot by three by two foot. The fuck? <laughs> Wooden box. So she she filled the boxes with inverted commas. Books. Think books, and she then asked him to help her take those the box to a storage depot. Stop it! And she went along with him in the red pickup. And on the way, she said to him, "Look, just stop here because people were all dumping rubbish beside a riverbank. It had been yeah, everyone had dumped their rubbish there." So she said, "Let's just stop here and dump them here." And so he's gone along with it and dumped the box there on the riverbank. <sighs> so the box was, you've got to admit, a rather unusual shape. Um, it's a coffin. Uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. A casket. So this a fisherman was in the area next to a riverbank and he thought that was a bit odd uh, in amongst all the rubbish. So he sure. called the police. Police came along inside the box. They found the badly decomposed body of an elderly man. Oh. Now, it was Everson Gilmuth, who was sure. the pen pal who owned the Red truck originally um the sad thing there is though his remains sat in the morgue for three years until they were eventually identified because at this stage they didn't know who he was they don't know how this body that they found fits in okay there's nothing to associate so Dorothy had been collecting his pension. She had also been writing to his family saying that he hadn't been in touch because he was sick. Yeah, that's awful when people do that. In the meantime, she's still running the room and board. She took in 40 new tenants. A lot of them were older, drug addicts. She's raking it in. Yep. She collected their mail for them. She took their rent before giving them what was left of any... So she was getting their checks, taking the rent out of it and giving them what was left over. At least 15 separate times, parole agents visited the home and they ordered her to stay away from the elderly and they told her to stop handling government checks. So they did have an eye on her. There was a homeless alcoholic in the area who was known as chief to everyone and Dorothea gave him some work as a handyman. No. And this is where psychic Chanel Bella, no, Chief had to dig in the basement. No. She got him to take away soil and rubbish in a wheelbarrow. If that was today, it's like she's just listing shit on Airtasker. Yep. Come over, need (laughs) need some digging. Digging, box built, shape of human being. Yep. Um, She got Chief to demolish a garage in the backyard and she put in a new concrete slab. Right over the digging. Soon after he did the work, Chief disappeared. Oh, no. 
So the neighbours in the area had a feeling there was something going on. Apparently there was a stench coming from the yard of Dorothea's boarding oh, house. stench every time. They said that in the summer it got so bad that they had to turn off their air conditioners rather than suck the smell into their Ooh. homes. Uh, she told them that the sewer was backed up. Uh, she told them that rats were rotting under the floor. She said she'd used fish emulsion to fertilise the garden or like um, that blood and bone. Yeah. Puts it, or dynamic lifter. He puts it on the veggie garden. By God, the stench. It's terrible, isn't it? So she tried to stop the smell. She spread lime and bleach in the garden. She sprayed air freshener in the house when people visited. I sure. said air freshener. Not air air freshener. But you know what I meant. <laughs> Cousin, don't laugh at me. You'll destroy my confidence. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Apart from that. Now the house. You'll destroy my confidence. Uh, I've already said how lovely the house is, but we'll put some pictures up on, on our uh, social so you can see. It was really pretty, pale blue Victorian house, quiet tree-lined street. Was a lovely neighbourhood until the stench. But anyway, she'd let it fall into disrepair. Okay. Had lovely high black cast iron fence, lace yes. curtains in the windows, all the rest of it. That's irrelevant. I'm just telling you because I love real estate. So November the 11th, 1988, police came asking about one of Dorothea's tenants, Alberto Montoya. I think that was chief. Or was it one of the other ones? It was another one of the tenants. He was developmentally disabled and had schizophrenia. His social worker had reported him missing. So the police noticed that the soil had been disturbed on the property. What's going on here, Dorothea? Yeah. So they started digging. Okay. And that, can you hear that bird in my garden? Yeah. Oh, I hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's doing. They really perch outside windows, those yeah, they birds, do. and they stay there making that noise nonstop. I'll close the window later. Uh, they started digging. Is and... it an owl? No. Woo. Woo. Owls make a ho- hooting noise. Hoot. No, that's just a... I don't know what that is. Okay. It's really going for it. Around here. Um <laughs> In the garden. So they started digging. They found shreds of cloth mm. and they found what they – sorry, I can't do this with that bird. I'm going to – Oh, God. I have to close. What are you going to do? Like, set off a gun? Yeah, I thought you were ready to take it out. Is it. It's up on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Throw something. I saw the guilty party. Oh, she's back. She slammed the window like a, down. A gun out and blew him away. Um, <clears throat> yes, they found what looked like beef jerky, which you oh, don't want to dig. I love beef jerky, but you don't want to dig it up in the garden. It doesn't grow. I don't eat beef jerky. No. There was a big tree root in the way, so one of the cops whacked his shovel into it, but no. it didn't move. So he climbed down into the hole and he wrapped his round around the tree root and started pulling. But when it came loose and he held it up to throw it out of the it hole. It was a thigh bone. He could see the joint. It was actually a bone. Yeah. <sighs> And then they found a shoe with a piece of foot Good. still in it. Perfect. D- it, this just gets mad at this story. So Dorothy came over to where they were digging. And when they told her that they'd found what appeared to be a human corpse. Act surprised. She did. Yeah. She like <laughs> slapped it. her hands to the side of her face. Oh my goodness me. What is that? So yes. the body that they found was a small lady with grey hair. It was 78-year-old Leona Carpenter who had been discharged from hospital into Dorothea's care. Mm. The police started drilling through the slab of concrete to dig underneath and she asked them if she was under arrest and they said no. She left. So she told them she was going, <laughs> you read my story, she was going to the nearby Clarion Hotel for some coffee. Yeah. 
So they, all right, not under arrest. Lovely. Come, come get some coffee. They Good kept day. digging. They found three bodies under the slab, another body under the gazebo in the side yard. Four hours passed and they had found seven bodies. Yeah, my count was up to five, so that's good. Yep. One of them was Alvaro Montora. He was the first man they came looking for. He was under a, an apricot tree, which had only just been planted. Okay. 64-year-old Dorothy Miller was found with her arms taped to her chest with duct tape. Oh. The body of 55-year-old Benjamin Fink was wearing striped boxer shorts. Just before he disappeared a few months earlier, Dorothea had told another boarder that she was going to take Ben upstairs to make him feel better. Oh, no. She must have drugged him. Yeah. The remains of 78-year-old Betty Palmer were found. She was wearing a nightie. Her body was missing her head, hands and lower legs. I don't know how they identified her. James Gallup was a 62-year-old who'd been staying with Dorothea while he recovered from a heart attack and brain tumour surgery. He's very young. Yeah. The body of 64-year-old... Vera Faye Martin was wearing a watch and it was still ticking when they (gasps) dug it up. Isn't that creepy? That is creepy. All the bodies were severely decayed. In several cases, the internal organs had melded together into a leathery mass. And what looked like pieces of fabric were actually rotting flesh. Some of the bodies were in an almost mummified state, Mm. uh, wrapped with cloth and bed sheets and duct tape. Now, handling the rancid bodies and other things from the crime scene... A police clerk by the name of Joy Underwood told Associated Press afterwards that she vomited every time she saw a news report about the case. Yeah. She had to shower compulsively. Yes, you'd be able to smell it. Yeah. Yeah. She said she felt like she could never get clean. Mm. She said, I've still got the taste of death in my mouth and she can't eat vegetables grown in the ground because they have dirt around them. Oh, and And it freaks her out. Yep. Okay. So at the time the retrieval of the bodies was going on, nobody noticed that Dorothy hadn't come back from coffee. Yes, mm. she's off. Off she goes. Skip she done a yes. yeah. She was in by this stage in Los Angeles. So she got chatting to a man in a bar there. He recognised her. By this stage it's hit the news. It's police sure. reports. He recognised her on the telly and called the cops. So they caught Dorothea Puente. She, Puente. she was charged with a total of nine murders. Okay. She faced the Sacramento Municipal Court on March the 31st, 1989. She pleaded not guilty on all counts. Okay. The mm-hmm. heart of the woman. The court was told she used sleeping pills to put them to sleep, then suffocated them, and then she paid people to dig the holes in the garden to bury them in. The defence claimed that the tenants died of natural causes, and mm-hmm. she didn't report them or call an ambulance because she was uh, running the boarding house in violation of her parole, so she okay. didn't want to get sent back to prison again. Right. There was a big problem, though, with the prosecution case. There were no eyewitnesses. They could only prove the cause of death in the first case, Ruth Munro. The other bodies were all too decayed. Toxicology tests showed traces of a prescription-strength sleeping pill, mm. which can be lethal in elderly people. So Dorothy ended up only being convicted of three of the murders. The jury couldn't agree on the other six. She was sentenced to two life sentences. For the rest of her life, she maintained her innocence. She served life without parole, and she died in 2011 of natural causes. That does happen a lot, doesn't it, when there's a serial killer Mm. and they find so many bodies. They might find 20 bodies, but they go away on two of them. Yes. And a lot of uh, countries, like I think Canada does a lot of its sentences concurrently. Yeah. And so there's no point in chasing after them for the other ones. It's only for the families. It's still good for the families. I think, yeah, yeah, it's worth pursuing for that. 
So the house that I loved at 1426 F Street has a couple now living in it. It still stands, Tom Wilson and Barbara Holmes. Um, and now you'll hear them here in a report on the sale of the house that came up on theatlantic.com. So it starts with the voice of former homicide detective John Cabrera, who was the one who dug up the bodies. Oh. And then you'll hear Tom and Barbara speak. It was just incredibly shocking. Seven bodies were placed in this yard strategically. One of the victims, no head, hands, feet. It, it was incredible that this individual, this little old lady, could be responsible for all these deaths. I was hooked. And it was cheap. So. <laughs> like, are you sure? You know it's a murder home? <laughs> so it was kind of fun, like, yeah, we want to run off around the house. The infamous Sacramento house where the F Street murders took place has sold, believe it or not. I read mysteries all the time, and it's like, uh, you know, it's like creepy in a good way to me. We do think we can overcome the stigma. Nobody was surprised on my side of the family. I don't know about Barbara's. Uh, no, I think they think we're a little weird anyway. We met online, actually. Yeah, on Match.com. Match.com. Oh, wow. There's an advertisement yeah. for Match.com. Yeah, so. Screw you, eHarmony. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my previous wife had passed away and... and uh, he had nothing to do with it. Uh, so Tom has now put up a sign on the front fence that says, It was the awful, awful women, woman that did it. Don't blame me. Signed the house. So this couple have actually got quite a good sense of humour. That's They've, quite cute. <laughs> so they showed these the, the, these reporters through the house. They've got a shower curtain that's got like a police line, do not cross across it. Oh, they're really getting into the spirit of it. Because people come past and look and look at the sure. house. They've got a mannequin in the garden that looks like Dorothea. Oh, so they have a great sense of humour. It's a bit weird. Mm. You told my mom we had a spot in the backyard. I told her we had a spot in the backyard for easily the most popular sign it says trespassers will be drugged and buried in the yard um, and they will be it's no joke and they are such good sports that they now up and up open up the house for tours to raise money for the homeless which i think is a very fitting that's nice way to spend it there we are would you live in a murder house no never no couldn't no hate it no, don't want it. I probably could. I had a murder quilt once. I was in Queensland and found a beautiful old quilt, like with paisley pattern and lovely, but it had like a red mark on it. Oh. And I brought it home no. and it just spooked me. Well, it wasn't red. It was sort of rusty. It could have been anything. I decided it was blood and there had been a murder, so I had to get rid of it. I loved the quilt, but I couldn't keep it. Murder quilt. Murder quilt. Mm. I don't think I – I reckon I could live in it, depending on what kind of murder went down. No, you can't get to it. There was a death in the house. There's trauma. It would haunt you. You've, you're ha you attract ghosts even in a brand I new, mm, fresh, I, I lovely, do. modern apartment. I do. The, yeah, the dogs were barking again last night. Oh, see? Yeah. Ghosty. Yeah, it's a bit ghosty. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.